Welcome to The Corner, La Source's digital show dedicated to the sport and entertainment industry. Every two weeks, we invite a professional to share their experience, background, and challenges. The sport industry moves fast, and having their insights is the best way to keep up to speed. Welcome to The Corner. Hi everyone, welcome to Le Corner. Our new episode today is with Joe Edwards uh, from the Super League Triathlon. Uh, we are really super glad to, to have you, Joe, today because with JB, we are super fan of what you are doing. We are doing like cycling, running, swimming. So that's part like of our life, I would say. You are engaging now with this new competition. So we have like plenty of stuff to, to discuss with you. Uh, but first of all, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, so hi everybody uh, on the podcast, I guess, and, and guys, it's uh, nice to be invited, so thanks very much for, for having me. Um, yeah, my name's Joe Edwards, I've been probably in marketing for about 20 years now, I guess, so I actually only just got into the sports world maybe five or six years ago, um, and I'm, I'm currently CMO at Super League Triathlon. You, you yeah, started in indeed. sports five, six years ago, but is it? You didn't start with triathlon, right? Or no, no. Uh, I started off. Um, I started off with FIBA, so Federation of International Basketball, um, and worked there actually as part of a joint venture that was with the Zone. And and really, my my role there was when I came into that role was to help um, kind of augment um, all the great work that FIBA were already doing. Um, but looking at with the, the rights that DAZN had at the time for FIBA and how we could kind of help FIBA's marketing team uh, kind of improve and optimize everything that they were doing. Cool. Okay. Um, so if you if you need to like provide like more insight about your background, like so you decided to work in the sport industry from the beginning of your career. It was like just an opportunity with uh, FIBA. Like what, what was the context? Yeah, I mean, I mean, so I, I guess um, I'd worked in agencies for a lot of my career, a lot of um, tech agent, like working for big technology companies, or at least the agencies were, and my role was kind of a planning director. So I was always kind of looking at audience insights, business objectives, and then trying to work out that bit in the middle that connected the two things together. Um, and then I'd go and give that to a creative team, and they'd then go and do something creative with it. I, I'd like to say I had a decent amount of input in that in the digital space at the time as well. Um, but yeah, that was kind of what I did for quite a, a big part of my career. The role came up with with um, FIBA because I was a, I was a big basketball fan. Um, I saw the role on LinkedIn and uh, not being in sports marketing at all, uh, I kind of gave myself a, about a 20% chance of getting the role given that it was a a basketball job in the UK. I didn't know whether, whether you know, the, the history of my marketing career and just being a complete basketball nut was going to be enough to do it or whether I needed to be in sports as well. But um, I guess they took a chance on me um, and, and then moved into sports and then have, have been in sports since. And, and what, what was like the, the statue of the digital, like when you were, when you were, when you were at, at FIBA, you know, like it was like in, 2017 if i if i'm if i yeah yeah right. i think you're right around about 2017 yeah i mean i think um with with fiba i mean they were all already frankly doing a really good job like 
I guess TikTok hadn't quite got on the scene then, but um, but but um, you know the guys were already experimenting in areas like that, and I think where we what we brought to the table as part of design was really like working on campaigns and, and really delivering solid campaigns globally for them. That was probably one of the big, big efforts. Um, looking at their OTT products um, and making some improvements there. And then working also like with influencers and publishers. So those were kind of some of the areas where we focused um, our efforts on to help, to help FIBA. For for me, Joe, I had one question because if I if I take a step back, it's you know today digital is like okay everybody take it for for granted or but in the early two thousand that was not that clear or that straightforward to say I'm working in digital marketing or taking care of it and I think from from the beginning of your journey as a professional you've been into the digital world is is it something after maybe you joined this passion with the, with the other passion of basketball, but were you already into this kind of mood in terms of, okay, I know the future will be around the digital side of things or I need to be around? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. So I came out, when I came out of university, I um, the dot-com bubble burst. It was the first, first explosion. So I couldn't get a job for love nor money. So I thought, oh, I'm just going to start a web design company with a couple of mates. And that's, that's what I did. <laughs> And we ran that for kind of five years. I don't know whether it was a good idea to do it after the dot-com bubble burst, but we, we did it anyway. Um, but my, and it worked I, well? Uh, it, I mean, it went well for five years, yeah. And then, then we kind of all went our separate ways, as you do. Um, and I, I kind of actually then began to focus more on marketing, I would say, than the kind of digital uh, piece. Mm. But what I would say is that, you know, digital, to me, digital hasn't, it's got it's got more complex uh it's got more targeted but it hasn't really fundamentally changed for me i i kind of see a message and a channel and mm-hmm. and an audience and it's really just how do i use that channel to get that message to that audience in the best possible way as new products come in you have new nuances um, of how you want to kind of deliver things but but fundamentally it's like how do you get a message to an audience in a way that's going to get them engaged so yeah i i i don't i don't really see i mean it has obviously changed and exploded and covid has brought us into this world of zoom and and actually us the you know the general population being more accepting of digital uh, in general but but really it, for me it hasn't really changed that much i I, mm. i kind of see the whole thing as one big channel and it's just how do you how do you How do you use it to the how do you chase the audience or yeah. how do you use the audience to yeah, yeah exactly. i like it actually if i remember so you work like on the agency end you work yep. on the organization and what is tricky like to have like this these two kind of background i would say what's uh, the best like you, you have like a message uh you want to like provide like new insight new way to communicate with your fan with your audience Yeah. Is it like easier to manage that when you are like an agency and you are like providing a message to the industry or is it easier when you are you are the organization and you have like the, the content itself? Yeah, I think um, agency and client side was always, it was always really interesting. I think a lot, you know, when I went a client side, I, I finally kind of wrote, wrote this post about peering behind the curtain from an agency point of view. And I think agencies are there 
because they are, they are given a specific brief, they are given the time to think about it, and then they can go and deliver something for the client. And I, I always kind of felt working in agency side, and I still do, um, is that they're kind of at the tip of the spear, but the spear itself, the handle is the client. They're the guys that have really got to make all, all the work happen. Whether you work in a client side or 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 in an agency, you still have to get buy-in, whether that's internal stakeholder or an external stakeholder. Um, and and I, I, I don't believe that bit really changes, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. JP, you have you have, you have, you have to, add, to add something on that. Uh, I think you 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 were part of both sides too. Yeah, no, I was just wondering which one did you prefer the most, or maybe it's one another, or maybe it depends a bit on what you're looking for. But I was wondering, like, which one you've liked the most, or or for which reasons? Yeah, I mean, I think I think like I've liked both. Um, I think that they both have pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are, you know, cultural differences in the way agencies work to to larger organisations. But then, actually, I would say most startup kind of environments work like agencies, generally speaking. You know, they're a lot more nimble, a lot more fluid, and I love that that side that side of it. But you go into a big client side, and all of a sudden, you've got you know, typically a considerable bigger budget process. to kind yeah. of work with. And and you have a lot of process to get through as well. But but if you can if you can work through that process, set process with people and get that right, then once you've done that job, that bit, everything becomes a whole lot easier. Even before COVID, when I was working client side, um, I had an international team you know, we, we met up maybe once a quarter if we were lucky, but everything was done over what was probably uh, Cisco or some some sort of WebEx WebEx type yeah, yeah. Yeah, thing. And we, you know, we, we worked really well as a team together because we kind of put the processes in place and built an online culture together that allowed us to kind of have the human interaction while having processes to get the job done as, as well. But actually, I was thinking maybe, sorry, David, if I'm moving forward too fast, but Go ahead. for me, the way I see it around the uh, Super League Thriathlon is like, it might be actually a perfect in-between or some kind of a match because it's it's brand new. It has a lot of potential. It's well-backed. Or from the outside, I think it's it's a great product. And in a way, you can combine a bit the two that you were mentioning. So to a certain extent, you would have free space and room to be a bit more like lean and to, to work a bit more, I hate the word agile at the moment, but a bit more like a startup without being too much of a big boat or a big organization. Yeah, as well. we're definitely not an oil tanker. I mean, I think yeah. if you if you kind of see how we delivered arena games for the first time during COVID. I mean, we turned that round in record time with a brand new partner. Uh, I mean, I've, ne- I've never done anything like that in my life before. Um, mm. uh, yeah. And, and testament really to um, the management team to, 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 to deliver that part operationally and through the partnerships um, to, to make all that happen. I mean, it was phenomenal. I mean, I always say that, 
you know, marketing, we're here to kind of deliver the product, but the product's already there, right? So mm-hmm. it's, it's or deliver the product in a way where we're talking to an audience about the product. The, the, the guys did an amazing job. We just have to make it look good afterwards. And, uh, and Joe, for, your, for, for our audience, can you like just like, like maybe we'll do like a step back and just explain what is Super League Triathlon and what is like the, the, the value prop of your competition because it's quite different of the classic triathlon, I would say. Yeah. So can can yeah. you just explain to the audience? Sure. I would, in one sentence, it's the like fastest, most brutal triathlon in the world. Uh, we have the world's best athletes. Um, it is sh- short form. We have multiple formats. Um, multiple ways to 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 win prize money through point scoring, and uh, it's built for media. You know, it's built for the media. Um, whereas you know other triathlon products with names I won't mention because I don't want to mention them uh, <laughs> are a lot longer. Um, you know, you're watching one person on screen for ten hours. Um, sweat and you know that takes nothing away from what it takes to do what these guys are doing but in terms of a spectator there's no real experience there's no massive amount of excitement it's just watching one male or female sweat for a long time um the our stuff is like head-to-head fast pace you will see crashes you will see people diving on top of each other Um, you will see people getting kicked in the face. All those kinds of things are happening because of the nature of the, the, the product sports. itself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we, we're very much here to be, uh, you know, a media first triathlon product for the spectator. Um, and since know. the beginning, it was, I mean, conceived and presented like this as a media product before yeah. being like a sporting product, right? Yeah, yeah, before being a participation product yeah mm. yeah uh, abs- absolutely and that's what motivated you at the beginning to move or um what do you mean move from my current role to this new one yeah yeah i mean in terms of like experiencing maybe a new product or a new yeah i mean I, like i i've always i've always loved the challenge and watching this racing to me was was just a you know a real great experience I don't come from a triathlon back, background. I'm at most I'm a runner, um, but to watch that sport was was brilliant. And the deep, what's quite nice about Super League as well is it has a, a level of layers to it as well. So kind of the more you get into it, the deeper you can get. You go down into it, and the more that you you kind of learn. Um, so even just watching it at first, it's like oh my god, head to head triathlon. Never seen this before. Then, then you go into oh, there's point systems. You know, we've introduced teams this year for the first time, and, and are hoping to develop that further. But r- really, yeah, to me, it was about you know, actually, personally, it was a career move, and and, and seeing how I can Im- improve my career. And, and secondly, it was like the challenge ahead: can we can we make this bigger? Can can we um, deliver on the promise of Super League? Yeah, and that's interesting because you you mentioned that you're like building like a brand and a content for the spectators, but it was like for the fans like around the world, but on site too, I guess, uh, which is super interesting because normally when you are like watching like let's say like a run or like a, a, a race like for for cycling or something like that, like 
it's too long and like you can't like, just see like them like during 30 seconds and it's not the case like during your competition it's not the case when you uh, for the for the engagement like uh, on digital too because you can like put like different cameras different like action yeah absolutely uh, on, absolutely on, on, that's mean, interesting too yeah we, we've definitely tried to make sure that the footprint is small so it's almost like a stadium um mm. when you're in there you're right on the camera angles i mean uh Kind of when I came in, Jersey 2019, we played around with like 360 cams for digital and that kind of stuff, which was kind of good fun to do. Um, I mean, you know, 2020, I mean, we've, we've taken a bit of a different different approach in our content for 2020. I think really what we've tried to do this year is establish a, a content platform for, for Super League and really hero our athletes um, to 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 well yeah so so that our audience can get to know them and get to know the personalities yeah and do you think like it's key for like sport like triathlon or other one like i i i'm i'm thinking about tennis with with moato glue and his new competition at the same time like for you it's key like for a sport to change like a little bit like the rules and on like the, the way that they are entertaining fans to be sure that they are like attracting like a younger audience yeah uh, yeah i mean I, d- I don't even think it's attracting a younger audience i think it's just attracting an audience yeah already yeah yeah i think for us there's this mixture of like one, one thing that's been very important for me is mixing sport and culture together and other people might call culture entertainment or 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 or, or whatever and you you see it in the you know the drive to survive and and that that in itself of of trying to engage an, a different audience in a different way around the sport um it's been good for formula one but it's also created its own challenges as well because now they've got people that are kind of interested in the people but not necessarily in the racing and it's like how are you going to join those two things together mm-hmm. um so that's a great but that's a great challenge to have right i think it's a great challenge to have and i've i kind of couldn't applaud formula one more for for kind of the approach that they've they've taken with it um i do definitely think that people in general want to know about people like the race is one part one aspect of it but most people kind of want some more depth to just what's what's in front of them and i think that's an important part that culture uh, sport needs to needs to play so So that's part of your content strategy like to create like storytelling and like just not streaming like the live content on the race itself but more the storytelling around around the event uh yeah around the event and then around the the athletes as well um and and again delivering some of the values of our sport you know we're very much an equal equality based sport you know the men and the women they get the same amount of airtime, they get the same Mm. um opportunity for prize money um, yeah, and so I, I think it's really important that we use the platforms that we have to kind of talk about, yes, the storytelling, but also the values that, that our sport brings to to culture. Yeah, definitely. Uh, JB, you want to uh, you you wanted to add something, I think. Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking in terms of stories, if you could tell us a bit more because that's linked to the product itself, but it's a bit the business of the entertainment industry. How do you create stories? How do you create relationship around these stories? And then how do you monetize them to a certain extent? Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. I was wondering if it's core to what you're doing in terms of not just the sports and the product, but the stories around those, around the athletes and maybe the fans as well. Yeah, I mean, I think um, 
I can't give too much away just yet. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think no breaking news. Yeah, no, 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 not quite breaking news yet. But really, what we wanted to do this year was establish, as I said, that kind of content platform and tell the stories of of our athletes. You know, and and really, the way that we went out and did that was really kind of day in a life esque mini documentaries. Mm. Uh, we've also produced um, a documentary on Vincent Louis. Um, who was kind of like our poster child um, for, from from 2019? Just won everything from from Super League. So pre pre Olympics, and there's four, uh, three more episodes to come out. We dropped one just before the Olympics. Um, so that's a real quite long form piece that we're we're pushing across our our channels. Um, Hold on. And what is your the relationship that you have with uh, your your media partners for this kind of of documentaries? Like, uh, do you share like this uh, content with your with the right holders, or like you're keeping it like for your own platform in order so, to like amplify the voice of your brand? Yeah, I mean, I think this year we had to prove to ourselves that we could deliver high high value, high quality content. I mm. believe we have done that in spades, and 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 that. The, the audience are telling us that they love our stuff. So I'm very, very happy with what we've done this year in terms of that. Next year for us is about how do we then go and distribute that content so we can get more eyeballs. So our mm. next job is really like how do we how do we push that content out? How do we monetize that content both from, a, um, you know, with partnerships um, that we may have, Um, but also with kind of broadcast partners and partners. And, that kind of stuff. Okay. And, and at the moment we're, you know, we, it's that balancing act of awareness versus revenue that we're always playing with. Um, and, you know, I, frankly, I don't think anyone's quite got the right answer. And we, we, we mm. all, we all just kind of go through a process of making sure that, you know, we're ticking boxes where we can really, um, But yeah, we're a young sport as well, so so awareness is is important. It's important. Yeah, I was thinking it's the whole debate around the free versus pay TV, around to which extent you want to short term maximize your revenues against the possibility to increase the masses or yeah. the awareness. And but I, I just I was wondering when you were talking is like I see, I mean the strategy is great from the product and how you place the content and make it a bit more cultural and something different than purely sports. And my question was, how does that work with the athletes? Are they part of the organizations or I don't know if there is, do you have like one, is there like a collective bargaining agreement in place? Or, I mean, I see how that works with other partners, but the athletes, which are at the core of your sports, how does that work in terms of relationship or, Yeah, so we, we, we basically, um, with our key athletes, we, we have ambassador agreements, what we mm -hmm. call ambassador agreements. Um, and effectively, um, what, what that means is, uh, you know, the athletes will be racing in a championship series, but they're also then obliged to do a certain level of kind of content with us as well. Okay. I mean, with, with I mean, the, the Vincent one was interesting in that, um, You know that was that was completely separate of those am ambassador contracts, and it's something we felt we needed to do mm. because Vincent's a really um, you know big name, particularly in obviously in France, um, uh, uh, 
and we saw the benefits for both him and for us to kind of go and deliver that piece of content. So we have mutual agreements in place, I guess, with these athletes to allow us to produce content with them um, mm. effectively. Okay. And, and you mentioned before, like you, 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 you're trying like to attract people and first, like to be sure that you are like doing like the right thing for your fans. Uh, I think it's like totally part of your role right now. And my question is, how do you educate your audience, especially those who are new to triathlon about this unique format? Like, what, yeah. what are like the, the, the mm. key for that? Yeah. So in terms of educate, I mean. Like we were talking about it yesterday, actually, with um, yeah. our production uh, team. And, you know, the first place we have to do it is on the broadcast. Like, that's, right. that's like one piece that, you know, we have to get them there. Because once we got them there, then we can lead them off into other places to go and find other bits of information. But primary goal, get them to broadcast and educate them through the broadcast. How do you do that? Is that, is that do you use, I don't know, what we call innovation or technologies to help them understand better the sports with, I don't know, data or storytelling, or how do you go to your broadcast partner and say, okay, there is a new fan or there is like yeah. person A coming in, tuning in. What was the story we tell or how do we do that? Yeah, I think it's, um, I actually think it's less innovation and more storytelling. Um, I think it's the job of the, the commentary team to be able to deliver that. I think it's the job of the graphics to be able to do that and something that we're, we're working towards for, for 2022. But then once you get past that, it's making sure that all the information's available. So we'll put all the format explainers up through our social media channels. Right. We'll make sure that if you ever want to know which format and which race, you just hit the website and you'll find all the information there all about the point scoring systems. We make sure that we kind of brief commentary teams, brief other broadcast partners and make sure they've got all the information they need in a, in a kind of broadcast media packs that we produce alongside the running orders. So all the information's there and readily available. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the education piece will never stop because, uh, because, we will always keep growing and therefore we're always going to have new people come in. And, and, and that's why you need to put like the process in place. Sorry to cut you, but that's, that's exactly the beginning of the podcast today. Like you're saying, like, I need to like create the, the process with the right people at the right place. And it's part in, in, in fact of, of what you're doing right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, finding the right touch points and just making sure they can get to the information. Um, but who, been... who are your fans today? I mean, when you say finding the right touch points, I guess you have some kind of insights on who's, who your audience is and how you plan to, to not target them, but approach them and, and deliver them the right products. I mean, the right stories. Yeah. Um, I mean, so we've, we've done a you know, fairly hefty amount of um, work understanding our audience already like one of one of my goals is to make sure as a team we're, we're audience experts um mm. we know we do know a lot about them already um I, I i think at the moment like we are now the number one most followed triathlon sports media product so we've we've just grown past um, world triathlon which is great um, I don't include Ironman in that because I believe they have a they have a participation proposition and not not a rights holder proposition predominantly. Um, and 
you know, I would say that our fans are, you know, they 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 skew affluent achievers. Basically, is kind of the way that the way that I uh, kind of determine them. Um, they're they're you know they have a good income and they're doing pretty well in business. In your opinion, what can the Super League triathlon product provide to partners compared to other sports? Because basically, when you are like creating a new league, you need to find like finance, you need to find partners, sponsors. Uh, what what do you provide like compared to other sports? I think like uh, uh, the the phrase that we use is niche at scale. So we've got quite this niche audience, like these affluent mm. um, these affluent uh, achievers, as we kind of phrase them. Um, and that's, that is quite a unique audience. Uh, it's quite a niche kind of audience, but we do have the scale. As I said, like number one followed on social media now um, for, for a triathlon sports media. Um, so we have the scale. Um, you know, we really focus in on kind of our four key markets and, and really, I guess we have the engagement with that audience as well. So, you know, I, I really do believe that our audience is kind of where our value lies um, mm. for, for our partners. And then, you know, how do we, we, we try and think about activate, activating our audience through the funnel as well for a partner. So it's not just about logo on a, on a screen. Um we really try and go down and how can we kind of do custom tar custom targeting, custom campaigns, custom activations um, that meet the needs of the, of the organizer or of the partner throughout the funnel. Mm, um, makes sense. On, on, on quick one for you, Joe, like what kind of partners are interested in uh, being like next to you? Like, is it like, just like, triathlon endemic brands uh let's say like you will have strava you will have this kind of partners or you have like non-endemic brands like i don't know like uh, an insurance or stuff like that yeah so i mean you know previous partners were royal bank of canada um okay. we we're talking with um like automotive brands as well so we definitely have a mixture and yeah obviously there's a, a level of endemic brands that are interested in in us because we can kind of go straight to the to the root of their audience and have mm. a very exciting product that they can align with um but we also because we have this um this niche scale this these affluent achievers they also provide an an in for you know financial uh, organizations uh we've had um ofx who are one of our Um, partners at the moment who deal with uh, global money transfers. So there's definitely a real mixture um, out there that are looking to align with us. I mean, our Royal Bank of Canada um, look to us because of the community aspect that we can actually deliver within Jersey. Um, so again, lots of different routes in um, to our brand, um, to align with our brand, to go and talk to our audience. Um, so, yeah, we're quite fortunate in that way um, in terms of partnerships. Do you see the growth of the fans? I mean, I'm trying to figure out in terms like I see the markets. I see really the passionate fans around triathlon and everything. But do you see from the first years you've had to which extent this funnel is is really widening or or are you touching very much new audiences that you were not thinking of at the beginning, which are not necessarily pure 
sports or triathlon fan? The plateau's a long way away yet, and we've got a lot of growth to go. I would say that we've captured the audience that you would expect us to capture. And at the moment, we are in this place where we are looking at the, uh, the uh, other audiences. I, I would say we widened our um, funnel, uh, if you like, at the top uh, this year to kind of push out a little bit past the expected targeted audience. Um, and we're really, I mean, at the end of the day, we are established. We just want to become a lot bigger. Um, and to do that, we've got to be attractive to a sports fan. I don't, I don't think we'll go past a sports fan yet, but right, first and foremost is be attractive to a sports fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 bring all those people in. I mean, there were I can't remember the exact numbers for the viewership of the um, Olympic um, relay, um, which was possible. You know, was a very very exciting race, and and it was great to see because it to me it just crystallizes how important Super League is in terms of the product it delivers. Because the relay was kind of just delivering a short short form mm. triathlon so it kind of just crystallizes super league even even more but that that audience there you feel like that's the one that's the one to go and get because you've got that casual viewer in as well as the kind of more hardcore fan yeah makes sense makes sense on on if if we check like in fact like the global story so you you, you spoke about like i'm i'm trying like to 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 recap a little bit you yes. you have a new competition you have like an existing audience, because basically like an existing audience for triathlon, but yeah. you are like getting this audience and like reaching like other folks because they are just want like action and they want like to to interact with a new sport and, and, and a, a new kind of entertainment. Yeah, uh, you have like partner sponsor. Like the, the business model is quite like the same as every traditional sport, I would say. Yeah, but on top of that, I can see like new like initiative or like your partners. You, you have partnered with Swift, if I if I if if I'm right, yeah. you create like a SLT Arena Games. I, I'm I'm on Swift too, so I I, I saw that. Can you cool. can you tell us more like what you are trying to do with this kind of partnership? Yeah, sure. I mean, the, this partnership, I mean, has um, has been a has been a has been a great one and very much born out of COVID, um, mm. and and it is a very innovative and integral one to super league i mean we we came up with the idea because because covid was around so maybe to explain to the viewers the the idea behind arena games is it's a blended virtual and in real life triathlon so so the athletes jump on a on a turbo on in in zwift you can watch the the program um through the zwift virtual reality and then go from there and they jump on a treadmill they do it all on a treadmill and then because, unfortunately, Zwift doesn't have a, a um, everlasting current pool yet, I'm sure, I'm sure they'll come out with it at some point. Um, I hope we to. then get the athletes to jump in a 50-meter swimming pool. They do 200 meters, jump back out, and do it all over again three times. Um, so that, again, you know, we needed to create a controlled environment um, for, for the athletes we had a lot more harebrained ideas than that, but they, this was the one that came to to fruition and and with Zwift, which was which was great. Um, so we did that in in COVID. Um, we did two more of those this year, and we're we're hoping to grow again. And we've got some exciting news, which I can't quite drop yet. Um, 
um, coming up about what Arena Games is going to look like. But that is very much become now an established part of our, mm. our calendar moving on to the future. And, and you know, we have some fairly big aspirations of what that that product's going to do for us. And that, that, how that, long did it take? Series. How long did it take, Joe? I know COVID accelerated many things, but, and you mentioned it a bit earlier in the podcast, I think when you said like, bravo, I mean, congrats to the top management team, but to put that into place, I mean, I'm quite interested to know. Yeah, I think, I think, and honestly, that that year was a massive blur because I don't think I've ever been as busy <laughs> for, and, and, and only actually put on one almost physical event, um, being, being Arena Games. I think um, from announcing it to being live was about six weeks. So there was obviously a bit of work in the background with Zwift on, on – on, uh, yeah, and finding a venue and all the other kind of things that go with finding the athletes and everything. But yeah, I feel like we. It's also like I was thinking. It's also you need to convince. Or I don't know if it's convincing, but you need to reassure the the athletes around the integrity and the fact that Zwift will be working perfectly for for each one of them. Because if I'm competing with other ones and that's my job, I actually. And I know David will, will, I think, I'm sure he will share this because you want to make sure that if you are cycling at 42 or 43 or 45 Ks an hour, you want to make sure Zwift is recording it, right? And that yeah. you know, the guy just next to you is not just like, I don't know, it's not cheating, but you want to make sure, you, you need to have the trust into the tech or into the Zwift. Yeah, well, I mean, all, yeah, everything was calibrated on site. Um we we put rules in place as well around um, if something goes wrong with your run or your bike, you have to treat it like it's a like it's a technical fault on your bike if you are out in the real world. Mm. And and okay. that's how we kind of delivered those expectations to to the athletes. You, you know, okay. some people are going to be unlucky, and that's the way this is going to go. Um, yeah. Anyway, anyway, if you don't have any other solution or any other plan B, so then you do with it. But I was just thinking from the athletes and from the whole, not equity, but integrity of the competition and everything. I mean, it's even like running on the treadmill and you give 200%. I mean, those guys are just like professionals and they want to give it everything and they just want to win. So I, I was just curious to, I mean, I, I love it and I see it perfectly, but if it's if it's your duty to win, then you, you need to make sure to reassure them because I was like, yeah. if you give 200%, you don't want Zwift to fuck you up because of any like kind of... Uh, yeah, of no, I, I, we were very, very happy with the tech, uh, technological infrastructure, basically, that we put in place. It wasn't... Uh, it wasn't without bumps in the road. Like I can remember uh, Michael, our CEO, I think, having to run out and buy um, power cables for all the iPads um, and and all sorts of things. So so you know it, it was uh, it was all hands to the plow to actually make mm. that make that all happen. Um, but yeah, really, I mean, obviously, like the whole team, um, really, really proud of that effort. Um, and just on this one, because. 
you know, in, in the sport industry, a lot of people are talking about this kind of digital, so the, the link between yeah. all the metaverse and everything. So yeah. that was kind of one of the first real experimentation around what kind of digital event or race can look like. And I know that you were mentioning like it's not breaking news, but I guess you have some some stuff ready for the coming months but i guess you must have like key learnings from from that trial and from that first project i guess yeah yeah i mean we we definitely do i mean i think like data integration is probably one 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 big key learning you know you effectively we've got two two timing systems working and and to be able to get that data onto onto broadcast and then and then making sure it feeds through our, our marketing mm-hmm. channels in a in a smooth, efficient way was a, was a, was a challenge. Definitely given the timeline that we had as well. I think, you know, we have there's there's like tons there was tons of learnings to be to be frank. Um, that was probably one of the bigger ones was as around like how do we integrate all this data together and and deliver it in a meaningful way for the fans. Okay, yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. And and I think that that's funny because at the end we we are speaking about like global partnership, partnership like in 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 the virtual environment. We are speaking about data collection. Uh, I think that's a little bit like the future of 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 uh, of your organization. And if if we need like just to maybe like finish the podcast, like I have like a last question. Where where do you see like the growth of the league in a few years or on more globally of the triathlon maybe? Um. Well, I mean. It's a big question. Um, I think where where I mean, well, I could be I could be quite blunt about it and say, right, um, it's the last one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I could be quite blunt about it and say I have a level, I have a certain amount of KPIs that I've got to hit by twenty twenty four, and I know exactly what those numbers are. But <laughs> that's not something I'm going to sit and share with you. Here, <laughs> unfortunately, what I, what I would say is we are. You know, we still have a lot of ambition about the growth of this thing. Um, mm. I, I believe that we have the best product in the market to be able to excite fans around triathlon, whether they're already triathlon fans or they're just sports fans in general. Mm. Um, so I believe that short-form um, triathlon and what we deliver and the, the pace and the impact that we we deliver it out and, and the feedback that we get from the fans, like we're just on an upward trajectory, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, people it's seem a- to be enjoying it. So it's only a good sign. And uh, For you, the, the investment at first would really be around consolidation of the stories and, and and what you can give to the fans in terms of like what you can see, but around the stories first, and yeah. then I guess you will explore other ways to grow further. Yeah, we we have some we have some plans around, and I don't think we really touch too much on data today, but we have some plans around how we're going to look to acquire more data from our fans, um, and and in, engage them through through that data. I mean, again. We're quite lucky as a sports rights holder in that not not all sports rights holders have participation data. Like I can tell you guys how how, how many times our audience has swum, bike, and run in the last couple of months because we've kind of got some of that data through 
um, our corporate offering, which is called PQ, where we plug companies into a, um, a, a corporate fitness and wellness app that we've developed in-house. Um, we also, mm. uh, in 2019, 2019 20, 2020, sorry, we ran a community challenge, um, which we we asked an entire audience to to um, basically swim, bike, and run to raise money um, for Mind Jersey, which was a great activation that we did with one of our, again with one of our partners. But that gave us a whole load more participation data. So we're kind of moving forwards for us. It's about like how do we grow the participation element within our um, within our brand infrastructure because it's important mm-hmm. again about just making sure that they're very well connected. Um, and then really like grow arena games, grow the championship series. And then to me, content isn't the first thing. The first, the first thing is, is really the racing, the content augments and helps us grow as we go. Yeah. 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 I like it because you go back to the participation, which I love. And can we see like other kind of competitions that you can manage in the future? Not only triathlon, but maybe like just like a cycling race or something like that? Um, well, so again, in COVID, we actually did uh, some Zwift. Uh, yeah. We did Zwift championships with our athletes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, at, the mo- at the moment, we're just looking at um, Arena Games and uh, the championship series. Uh, there will be a few other bits and pieces coming, definitely. Uh, I mean, we recently purchased Malibu Triathlon um, to uh, as to allow us to kind of springboard into the US as part of that. Uh, we did that for the first time. I mean, that, that was an epic experience. Um, seeing 5,000 people uh, swim, bike and run was pretty, pretty cool. And then, and then with our pro race on the side of it was, um, yeah, there'll be more coming. Don't worry. I mean, honestly, I think... Uh, this month there'll be a couple of announcements. Then January, February, you'll hear a whole load more from us. I'm I'm not worried for uh, for the organizations or anything. I'm more worried for you and and the time because if during the pandemic you didn't have much time or you were as busy as ever, I guess 2022 will be maybe another one of the worst years for you. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll we'll be all right. I've got I've got an amazing team. Uh, and and the Super League team are pretty amazing, so so uh, we 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 we'll be all right. We uh, we work hard and play hard, so it's all good. I kind of envy you because of working into like a, a sports organizations with a product, but being quite quite reactive and and working differently from traditional sports organizations. I would say. Yeah, definitely. Like awesome to to learn more about what you're doing right now. Uh, we will follow like the, the, the next announcement uh, during the end of the year. Uh, follow the, the end of the season too. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to, to, to see like the next uh, the next great uh, great stuff on your platform. Yeah, cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you, Joe. Thanks a lot. Thank Have a good day. Bye bye. Le corner.